Hey, what's up? My name is Steven, and I lead Avenue Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, along with my wife and an incredible team. We really have a desire to see people experience God's unconditional love, find their true identity in Christ, and live out their purpose. And we would love to connect with you. You can find us on all social media platforms simply by searching Our Avenue Church. You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Good morning, church. How are we today? Good. Um, It is a Beautiful day and a great day to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, Well, as Chris said, I am Jolie and I am our nursery coordinator here at Avenue. So most of the time I spend my weeks upstairs loving on our kids and teaching our two, three and four year olds. So if I use simplified language or teacher speak today, just forgive me because my audience is usually much younger. Um, I'm also a teacher. So during the week, I teach third graders. Um, We are about a week away from spring break. We're going to make it. (laughs) I kind of feel like I'm dragging myself across the finish line, but um, it is a gift, truly, uh, to be able to teach the Lord's children and to pour into them, and I love it. Um, The message that the Lord has given me today uh, is the direct fruit of a difficult circumstance that I am currently walking through. In early February, I was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. Um, For those that may not be familiar with what that is, it is an autoimmune disease that affects the joints in your body, um, causes inflammation and pain and fatigue. Um, The medication that I'm taking right now to treat it lowers my immune system, which means I get sick more frequently. Um, It's also a progressive disease, which means that it will progressively get worse over time. Um, and there currently is no cure for it. And so, as you can imagine, I've had a lot of big feelings about that. Um, one of the questions that I've been asking, and the question that most of us would ask in a difficult circumstance is why? Why? Um, and mine has been, why, Lord, would you allow me to have a disease that would limit my service to you? Um, because I very much want to live a service-led life, and I always want to be ready and prepared to do what God has called me to do. And so it's been very challenging um, to pull back a little bit. Um, I have a really hard time saying no to things, and so um, I'm kind of in this process where I'm really seeking and soaking. Um, Scripture says that when we seek the Lord with our whole heart, we will find him. And I don't think I truly knew or understood what that meant until I had this circumstance um, that I'm currently walking through. So I've spent a lot of time seeking the Lord's word. Um, I've spent a lot more time with him and just kind of soaking in the word that he has given me. And so I would love to share what he has put on my heart with you all today. And I'd love to start with prayer. Father, thank you for this opportunity. God, to share your word with your people. God, it is not my words today that are gonna change hearts and change lives, but it is your word. So God, I ask that you prepare our hearts and prepare our minds to receive this word. In Jesus' name, amen. So today, I wanna talk about our big feelings. (laughs) 
Uh, As the famous rapper Drake said in his song, In My Feelings, he says, this stuff got me in my feelings. And if you know the song, you know there's a four-letter word in there that I can't say up here, so I had to change it. Um, So we'll just call it stuff that gets us in our feelings. But how often do we truly get in our feelings over the littlest things when we're hangry and we want a snack and we pull up to the drive-thru and we're just ready and we're waiting on that snack that's our favorite snack and they're out or they don't have it? We get in our feelings. When my children at school don't wanna listen and I have to repeat the directions that I just gave like two seconds ago, that gets me in my feelings. Basically, any situation that doesn't go our way or doesn't go as planned, it gets us in our feelings. And we can get bogged down in those little feelings of frustration, discouragement, anger. But what do we do with our big feelings? When we're going through a wilderness season, when we are going through a desert season, what do we do with our big feelings? How do we bring those feelings before God? And how do we find joy in the midst of those seasons? And those are the questions that I hope to answer um, in the message today. So what do we do with our big feelings? We bring them before God. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, present your requests to God. That means the good and the bad. When we're thanking God, when we're praising him for his goodness, when we are asking for those good things, we present it before God. And in our difficult seasons, in our wilderness seasons, in the seasons when we are confused, when we're asking why and we don't understand, we bring that before God. Sometimes we have a tendency to withhold and we wanna keep it here and we don't wanna release it or let it out because we feel like we're protecting ourselves and it's much more comfortable to keep it here than it is to release it and to let it out. But scripture says it is not until we present those requests to God that we receive the peace of God. So we have to release in order to receive God's peace. Second, we do not put our hope in what God can do for us. We put our hope in God. Natalie Grant has a song called More Than Anything, and in it she says, help me want the healer more than the healing. Help me want the savior more than the saving. Help me want the giver more than the giving. Help me want you, Jesus, more than anything. Church, we have to want him more than we want anything else. And it's hard. Sometimes it's hard when you have prayed and prayed and prayed for the healing to come and it hasn't happened yet. Or you've been praying for the salvation of that loved one, that family member, that friend, and it hasn't happened yet. But we have to put our hope in God not in what he can do for us. Jeremiah 17, seven and eight says, but blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. 
Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. The roots of that tree are like the roots of our faith. And we have to stay saturated in Jesus, who is our living water. But sometimes when we're in those trials and all we see is the trial, it reveals that we have shallow roots. That instead of putting our hope and our confidence in Jesus, we've put our hope and our confidence in what he can do for us. So we have to stay saturated. And how do we do that? We spend time with God. We pray. We meditate on his word. And we remember that he is good. Uh, John 15, seven and eight says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So we have to stay rooted in Jesus. If we abide in him, he abides in us and we stay saturated. And when those seasons of drought come, we can stand firm because we are rooted in Christ. How beautiful is it that even in the wilderness seasons, when we feel empty, we can still bear much fruit as followers of Christ. If we continue reading in Jeremiah 17, verses nine and 10 say, the human heart is the most deceitful of all things and desperately wicked. Who really knows how bad it is? But I, the Lord, search all hearts and examine secret motives. I give all people their due rewards according to what their actions deserve. When we're in those seasons of drought and hard it's hard to see the Lord's purpose and we can easily turn to anger, to bitterness, to despair, to complaint. But the truth is, our feelings lie to us. Our hearts are deceitful, they're wicked. But God already knows the deceitfulness of our hearts. He already knows what we need to say and what we need to share with him. And he is waiting for us to bring him our big feelings. After all, he's the one who gave us our big feelings and he wants us to bring those before him. We're tempted in seasons of trial, like I said, to ask why. Our finite brains seek to understand when the bad things happen. But knowing why is not as important as how we respond. Pastor Stephen gave a sermon series several months back called Asking for a Friend. And in that sermon series, he tackled the question, why do bad things happen? And he said this, knowing why something bad happened isn't as important as how we respond to it. Knowing why doesn't undo the bad, but how we respond can glorify God. It gives the bad purpose. So lean in and trust God. So how do we lean in? How do we trust God? Well, we do four things. And this is a little acronym that I put together for you all with the word lean. And we do four things. We lament, we engage, we change our attitude, and we remember the nearness of God. Lament, engage, attitude, and the nearness of God. So let's look at the first one, lament. 
Now, if you grew up in church like I did, this is not something that we ever really talked about or was ever modeled for me. Um, You know, it was very much you go to church and you sing a couple songs and you listen to the word, you pray, and then you go home. And you didn't really share the hard. You didn't really share what was going on in your life. So there was never really the opportunity to lament, and I never saw it modeled. And if that's you, you may not even fully understand what lament is or what it means. So a lament is a prayer. It's a prayer expressing grief, sorrow, pain, confusion. But the good news is Jesus models it for us in Scripture. In Mark chapter 14, verses 32 through 36, it says, They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might yet pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. In this prayer of lament, Jesus does four things. The first thing he does is he brings it to the Lord. In uh, verse 32, it says, they went to a place called Gethsemane and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. You see, Jesus knew what was coming. He knew the pain and the suffering that he was about to endure. He was fully God, but he was also fully man and he experienced every human emotion. And in this moment, he is choosing to bring it before God. The second thing he does is he brings his complaint. In verses 33 and 34, it says, he took Peter, James, and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. The Greek word used in verse 33 for deeply distressed means a feeling of terrified amazement. Jesus was feeling terror at what was about to come. And he brings his complaint before the Lord. The next thing he does is he asks boldly. In verses 35 and 36, it says, going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Even in his lowest moment, when he is feeling big feelings, Jesus recognizes the authority of God and he says, everything is possible for you. And then he makes his request. He says, take this cup from me. And the last thing he does is he chooses to trust. In verse 36, he says, yet not what I will, but what you will. So Jesus chooses to put his life in the hands of God and to do his will no matter what. He chooses to trust God. The second thing we have to do to lean in is to engage. When we've experienced grief 
or sorrow or pain, we have a tendency to wanna withdraw because again, it's more comfortable to keep my feelings here with me than to show my weakness before others. But it's in those times that we need our people to surround us. Yes, we need that personal time of prayer and lament. We need those times behind closed doors, face down on the floor, praying and crying out to God. We need those times, but we also need to be surrounded by our people. 2 Corinthians 1 um, verses 3 through 5 say, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any kind of affliction through the comfort we ourselves receive from God. For just as the sufferings of Christ overflow to us, so also through Christ our comfort overflows. A few weeks ago, uh, there was a ministry moment during worship where Pastor Stephen came up and he just simply asked, does anybody need prayer? Does anybody need to be lifted up in prayer today? And I felt in that moment in my gut, the Lord was saying, it's time. So you've engaged with me in personal prayer, but now I need you to engage with me through your community. And so I lifted my hand and I was surrounded by people who came and prayed for me and prayed over me. Some people I didn't even know. Um, And they literally lifted up my hand and they prayed for me. And it wasn't pretty. Pretty sure I ugly cried through most of it. But I needed that. I needed that release. And I didn't leave that prayer healed. I did not experience healing in my body in that moment. But my heart started to heal. When I was in the the depth of despair and I was praying and asking God, why, why, why? It wasn't until I engaged with him through my community that I began to experience that healing that can only come from him. And then a few days later, I reached out to some women in our uh, women's group and let them know kind of what I was experiencing, what I was going through, asking for prayer. And it was in that that God gave me the sweetest gift of somebody that's been through it, that is going through it, um, and was able to give me comfort through the comfort that she had received from God. And I know that someday I'm gonna be able to do the same. That through the comfort that I have received, I will be able to comfort someone else that is going through a hard or difficult season. And so it's very powerful. Church, we need our community. The third thing that we do when we lean in is we change our attitude. Sometimes we just need an attitude adjustment because when we focus on the trial, it takes our view off of God and his goodness. Philippians 4, 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, this doesn't mean that we think happy thoughts all the time. But what it does mean is that we dwell on the goodness of God because he 
is pure and he is good. He is right. He is excellent and praiseworthy. 2 Corinthians 10, 5 is one of my life verses and I come back to it again and again and again every time my thoughts start to spiral. And it says, we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. The Greek word for demolish there means to take down by force or destroy. You see, sometimes, church, we have to fight our feelings. We have to fight our thought patterns. And we fight with our faith and we fight with the truth of God's word. The last thing that we do when we lean in is we remember the nearness of God. James 4, 8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. In seasons of wilderness or seasons of trial, sometimes we feel like God is distant and we question, where are you, God? Why aren't you with me? I'm going through something right now. Why aren't you here with me? And the truth is that God has always been there. He never leaves. He never forsakes us. He is here, but we have drawn away. When we follow our feelings, it leads us away from God. We have to choose to draw near to him. Psalm 34, 18 says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted. Those whose spirits are crushed, he rescues. He is near to the brokenhearted. Scripture says that God delights in our brokenheartedness. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. So God is near, he is with us. Even in the midst of our deepest suffering, we can still find joy in the Lord. How? How do we find joy in the Lord? Well, first we understand that joy is a choice and that the joy of the Lord is our strength. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7 says, in all this you greatly Rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. The kind of joy that's referenced here, it's not a feeling based on our changing circumstances but on our unchanging, eternal relationship with God. And our natural response when we're in the midst of a heavy season or a hard trial is not to rejoice. So we have to choose to rejoice and find our joy in the Lord. And Peter tells us several things about our trials in these verses. First, he says, it should not take away our joy. If the joy of the Lord is our strength, our joy is not taken by the trial. Second, he tells us it's temporary, temporary, because it says, for a little while. And the third thing he tells us is that it has purpose. In scripture, it says, you may have had to suffer grief in order to prove the genuineness of your faith. Our trials have purpose. And without it, we cannot fully experience the joy of the Lord. The testing of our faith is for us. It's not for God. 
It's not that God doesn't know how much faith we have. It's that we sometimes forget how much faith we have. And through that trial, we discover that we have an enduring faith. And on the other side of it, we know that our faith is genuine and our faith is strengthened in those trials. How beautiful is it that we serve a God that even in the darkest seasons of life, he still gives us the capacity to find joy. So how do we prove the genuineness of our faith in the midst of those trials? How do we combat the lies that our feelings tell us? First, we have to know that we are not defined by those feelings, but by the truth of God's word and what he says about us, our identity in Christ. I found this quote by John Piper, and I'd love to read it to you because it's really encouraged me. And he says, my feelings are not God. God is God. My feelings do not define truth. God's word defines truth. My feelings are echoes and responses to what my mind perceives. And sometimes, many times, my feelings are out of sync with the truth. When that happens, and it happens every day in some measure, I try not to bend the truth to justify my imperfect feelings, but rather I plead with God, purify my perceptions of your truth and transform my feelings so that they are in sync with the truth. It's tempting to listen to our feelings, but we have to remember our feelings are not God. So how do we purify our perceptions of that truth? We have to transform our feelings. When we're going through it, we're tempted to say things like, I'm angry, I'm hurt, I'm lonely, I'm defeated. But we are not defined by how we feel. I am not angry, I feel angry. I am not hurt, I feel hurt. I am not lonely, I feel lonely. Church, we have to remember that our feelings are temporary, but our identity in Christ is eternal. So we shift our thinking and we remind ourselves of the truth. So I've come up with a few truth statements for you all today. And I hope that one of these resonates with you. If it doesn't, take your feelings, go back to scripture and find the truth of God's word. I created a, just a short sentence starter for you. And it simply says, I feel blank, but I am blank. And I've given a few examples. First, I feel lonely, but I am fully known. God knows you intimately, inside and out. Psalm 139.1, he knows every hair on our head. He knew us. He formed us in our mother's womb. He knows us deeply and intimately. So when you are feeling alone, know that you are fully known. The next one is, I feel defeated, but I am more than a conqueror in Christ. Romans 8, 37. When we're in those seasons where we just feel completely torn down, broken down, defeated, we have to remember that we are more than conquerors in Christ. And he has the victory. The next one is, I feel brokenhearted, but I am healed. Psalm 147, three. 
in the moments, in the times that we feel brokenhearted, we remind ourselves that God binds up the brokenhearted. He has the power to heal. More than reminding ourselves of our identity, we have to change our feelings and take action. So the next thing we must do is we have to turn our feelings into action. It's okay to feel the emotion. God wants us to feel the emotion, but we can't stay there. When we stay in the emotion, a bitter root can grow. So we don't wanna stay there. We have to take action. So I have another short sentence starter for you. This one says, I feel blank, but I will blank. And the first one says, I feel lonely, but I will choose to be in community. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Instead of staying in our loneliness and withdrawing, we have to choose to engage with our community. The second one, I feel defeated, but I will praise the God who has overcome the world. John 16, 33. Again, when we feel like we are defeated, worn down, broken down, we remind ourselves to praise. Sometimes I like to say, I turn my worry into worship. That in those moments when I feel defeated, I choose to praise God because I know that he has overcome the world. So whatever I'm facing here is temporary. He is eternal. Last one is, I feel brokenhearted, but I will cry out to the God who comforts me. Matthew 5, 4. When we feel brokenhearted, we can take comfort in knowing that God binds up the brokenhearted and he gives us comfort. He gives us peace beyond understanding. And I'm gonna land it here with Philippians 4, 12, and 13. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Now, Philippians 4.13 is one of those power verses that most of us know. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But sometimes we miss the context of that verse. You see, Paul was no stranger to suffering. In verse 13, he says, I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. You see, Paul had been imprisoned. He'd been beaten. People tried to kill him. He was left for dead, shipwrecked, mocked, all because of his faith in Christ and his desire to share that faith with others. And in these verses, it says he learned the secret of being content. He didn't wake up one day and just say, I know the secret. I'm going to be content in every circumstance. No, he learned it. In those trials, in those difficult circumstances, he learned what it meant to be content. And here's the secret. To being content in every circumstance. We do not rely on our own strength. We rely on the strength that God gives us 
It is in his strength that we can do all things. It is through Christ that we can do all things. So we rely on the strength that he gives. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity to share your word with your people today. God, I pray that something in this message touched hearts and changed lives. God, it is your word that does that, not mine. Father, I pray that you would be near to the brokenhearted today. No matter what your people are facing, God, please remind them that you are near. If they would draw near to you, God, that you will draw near to them. God, I pray that you would give your people courage today if they're going through something to engage in their community today. And Father, I pray that you would give us the confidence to walk out of here in peace. God, if there are any people in this house today, God, that need to experience your love, that need to experience the joy and the beauty of our salvation, God, I pray that you would give them the strength to come forward today to get prayer because we would love to walk with them in that. Father, we love you and we pray these things in your son's precious name.